Viola did try to keep that top button on, but it, it was just too uncomfortable, so I had to loosen it just, if you think a little bit shabby. <laughs> if you could turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah. And to chapter 66, the very last chapter of Isaiah. And just over the last few weeks and stuff, I know when Pastor David has been away, and we just have been encouraged. And, you know, when you look over the messages as, as you think about them, you know, I really believe the Lord is trying to tell us something. You know, at the start of this year, because as, 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 as Clifford and others have said, we don't want to get to the end of this year and not having drawn closer to God, not having drawn closer to his, knowing more of his presence and knowing more of his power in our lives. And I believe the messages that he's given us over these last lot of weeks from Christmas and from the start of New Year are foundations that we can build on. And some of them, yes, are quite challenging and quite pointed. But it's to, it's to give us a firm foundation that we can go on by the grace of God and see the power of God move and touch people's lives. Because when we look at it, what is the church here for? The church is here to reach out, to see people saved and set free from their sin, from their death, from addictions that have troubled them for years. This is what the church is here for. But these messages are a foundation because we need, as the church, to have a strong foundation. Sometimes we, we're just waiting on God turning up. But sometimes God's waiting on us. And I believe this is what the Lord is trying to say to us. You know, I, I thought about this message and over the last few weeks that God has challenged us. And I've had this message in my mind for maybe three or four weeks. And I sort of, at the start of the week, thought, Lord, I feel like I'm beating the people up. But we can't look at it that way because it's a challenge to us because God is trying to move us into what he really has for our lives. So with that in mind, I just want to read a few verses from chapter 66 of Isaiah. It says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things have mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yes, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called None did answer. When I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. 
Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. And the one portion I want us to focus on tonight, although we may comment on some other pieces that we wrote there, and, and, and this is just highlighted to me, is, is, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. But to this man will I look. And I just want to make some comments just on this small passage here. But to this man, but to this man. Now you know what it says, man, I'm talking about man and woman. I'm talking about mankind. But to this man, God is looking for a man tonight. He is looking for someone, an individual. You know, we, we call ourselves more a Pentecostal church. We are members individually of more a Pentecostal church. We're one body, but many members. And that's the first thing I want to point out, that God is looking for an individual tonight. It would be granted he's looking for all of us individually to come together and move as one in his spirit. But God is looking for a man tonight. Look how individual it is, a man. He's looking for an individual. Now maybe in your mind when I said he's looking for a man, an individual. Because sometimes we look at ourselves and think, well, that's, that's not me. I'm not spiritual enough. Or I'm not good enough. Or I'm only saved a week. Or I'm not where I should be. And sometimes we pass ourselves by. You look around and, and we look at someone who we in our eyes has, has a lot more talent than us and think, well, God will definitely pick them over there. Or he'll pick her down the back. Oh, and you automatically maybe thought of someone else. But listen, God is looking for you. He's looking for you as an individual. What's the old army poster, the old American army poster? I want you. And use that as an analogy. God wants you. He is looking for a man. To this man. God says, I'm looking for a man. So don't be saying, let me recommend someone to you, God. Because when we look at the, at, at, in the Bible, we see a lot of characters who when God came to them, the first thought was, Lord, let me recommend someone to you. When you think of Moses, God came to Moses in the backside of the desert. And he said, Moses, let me just read just, just quickly to you. You don't have to turn to it. He says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And then it goes on and says, When the Lord saw Moses... 
And he made him take off his feet because he was, or his shoes, let's take off his feet, take off his shoes because <laughs> he was standing on holy ground. Amen. And then listen to what God says. He says, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land onto a good and a large land, onto a land flowing with milk and honey, onto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, for, now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed, oppressed them. And then he says to Moses, Come now therefore, and I will send thee. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So sometimes we look at other people around us, and, and we rule ourselves out. But do you think God knew what he was doing? Because God seen something in Moses. And he sees something in you tonight. He, you are filled with his spirit and he's working in you and on you and wants to work through you. But Moses says, let me recommend someone to you. And we do that. We rule ourselves out. Start making excuses. And Moses went on to say, Lord, but I can't talk. I can't talk. I can't string two words together. Moses, or God says, you're the man. I, well, I've come for you. I'm looking to you. Jeremiah, you'll, Pastor, you'll read it, read it this morning. I came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, I'm too young. I'm not old enough. Now, Jeremiah, I think maybe was around maybe 15, 16 at this time. He says, I'm too young. God, I'll recommend someone else to you. But God said to him, listen, as you all read this morning, I seen you when you were in your mother's womb, even before that. And I have a plan for you. Don't rule yourself out. Gideon in Judges 6. God came to him. Says, you mighty man of valor. You mighty man of valor. And he was hiding. But God came looking for that man. We think of Elijah. We first introduced Elijah in, in, in uh, 1 Kings 17 or 2 Kings 17. And Elijah is there before, it says he stood before God and he's prophesying to the king. But God's looking for a man tonight. He's looking for an individual. Listen, that individual he's looking for is you and I. Don't rule yourself out. Because if God's coming back, Jesus is coming back, but there's a plan. And he wants to show his glory and he wants to show it through you and I. You know, these men, they weren't just pulled out of obscurity. They weren't pulled out of obscurity. It's not that they had no history with God. But God knew what he was doing. And God came to these men for a particular reason. And as we go on, I just want to touch on a few things. But to this man, 
will I look? To this man will I look? Now God just doesn't say, I see him over there. When he says, I will look, what it means is, I will give my full attention to. I will prefer, I prefer this man. I just don't make a glance at him. But all that I am, I will be with this man. All my power, my strength, my plan will be performed through this man. Just wasn't looking at him with the eyes. He was looking at him with intention. Exodus 3 verse 7 Again, we just read some of it. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. God is looking at this man. He was looking at Moses with an intention of doing something through him. And God wants to do something through you and I. He's looking at you with intention. How would you feel if God said to you one day, I want you to pray for them people. And they're sick or they're ill or they're struggling. And you lay hands on them and God uses you to set them free. Again, maybe in your mind you've said, oh, God wouldn't use me. Yes, he is looking for you. He wants to work through you. He is looking for this man. But with intention. Jesus came with intention to set the captive free. To open the prison doors. What does 2 Chronicles 16.9 says? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. I love this verse. Run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? He wasn't just looking. Oh, I'm looking back there and back there. He's looking with intention. To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. To show myself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. God is looking to use you and I. He's looking to use you. His power is there to show himself strong. God's looking for a channel to push that through, to let it flow through. The power's there. The strength is there. The ability to meet the need is there because it's God's power. But he needs it to go through you and I. God is looking for a man and he's looking with intention. So don't rule yourself out. He's looking with purpose at your life. He wants to use the qualities that he's put into you. And he has given you qualities. And he wants to develop those qualities more. And to the greatness of those qualities as we develop them in him, the greater the fulfillment of God's purpose in our lives and through our lives. God's look towards us is not for our purpose. It's for his. It's for his purpose. But what type of man is he looking for? What type of man is he looking towards? Well, the verse is just very plain. But to this man will I look 
even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. But to this man will I look, even to him that it is poor. What does it mean to be poor? That just doesn't mean to have no money. This is not what God's talking about here. He's not talking about giving everything up and going and living in a hole somewhere or a cave somewhere. But it's being poor in spirit. Poor in our own abilities. Turn with me to Luke 18. Familiar story to us, but just want to make some points. Again, this is the, we know this, the story of the rich young ruler. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. The rich young ruler, he wasn't willing to become poor. And we look at that and we think of, of his riches. But he loved his riches more than he loved God. The Son of God was standing right in front of him. And he looked at himself and thought, ah, but I'm rich. But he didn't know how poor he was. And Jesus was trying to, to get him to see, you'll be rich in me. Come and follow me and I'll show you true riches. He wanted him to give it up because it was the thing that was keeping him back. What did Jesus actually say to the rich young ruler? He says, I want you to make yourself bankrupt. I want you to make yourself bankrupt. Bankrupt yourself of your ability, of everything that you think is worth something. Bankrupt yourself of it. Make yourself poor. And you'll be rich. I read a statement recently, and one teacher called, he says, the, it was called, his message was called The Poverty of Riches. The Poverty of Riches. And riches brings poverty. When we think real riches is what God can do in and through us, through his Holy Spirit. That's real riches. Listen to what Jesus said. I can of my own self do nothing. This is the words of Jesus. I can of my own self do nothing. And Jesus could. He had power because he said, I could call all the angels and they would protect me. And I wouldn't have to go through all this. I could do that. But what he had done, he had laid down everything of his own sufficiency. He had laid down his self-sufficiency. 
And this is what God is saying to us through these scriptures that we need, when it comes to our self-sufficiency, we need to be bankrupt. Because through our riches and through our sufficiency in the spirit realm, we can achieve nothing. We need to be bankrupt because our real power is through the spirit of God. You know, the church is a spiritual body. Not a natural body, it's a spiritual body. And the only thing that can feed this spiritual body is spiritual power. It's not fed through natural, natural substance. It's fed through spiritual power. It's fed through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power. He is the sufficiency of the church. And our self-sufficiency won't do it. Our self-sufficiency won't, won't help us to build the church. And you know as well as I do within the church today in certain areas, everybody is trying to build it with self-sufficiency. But God says, I will build my church. Didn't say, listen, I'll let you build it with your self-sufficiency. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's no place for self-sufficiency in the body of Christ. There's no place for it. It doesn't work. God wants us to be poor. What did he say to the Ephesian church? Ephesian church, he says, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing outreach. You're, you're sticking up for me here, you're sticking up for me there. But he says, you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. You've lost me. You've lost my look upon you. What did about the lay of the same church? He says, you're poor. You think you're rich, but you're poor. You're neither hot, you're neither cold, you're lukewarm. And Jesus says, I'll vomit you out. Strong language. Because they were self-sufficient. God wants us to be bankrupt of our sufficiency tonight. Our self-sufficiency. We need to be bankrupt. Psalm 34. Let me just read just some scriptures from that for you. Don't have to turn to it. Just know what David said. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. What does he call himself? This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. There's no want to them that fear him. A spiritual poor man wants to hear that. That the Lord says there's no want. If we walk in his spirit, there will be no want. There's no place for self-sufficiency in the body of Christ. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Of a contrite spirit. What does that mean? A man that is submissive 
in his spirit, who submits to the spirit of God. The analogy is in James 3, verse 3, talks about we put bits in the horse's mouth so that we can control it. We can turn it to the left, we can turn it to the right, just through that small bit. And we have to break that, break, we have to call it breaking the, breaking the, well, I'm not, I've seen it on TV, I don't really know the technical terms of it, but it's breaking a, breaking a horse so that you can control it. And God saying that to us, you need your own spirit broken that wants to do its own thing, that has its own ambitions, that has its own desires. He wants us to be submissive in spirit, submissive to the Holy Spirit. You know, we can be very headstrong at times. You know, I know I was and can and probably still will be but I want to have a spirit that is submissive to the spirit of God. And you can be headstrong, stubborn, dig the heels in. No, I'm not doing it. And we can be like that with God. We can say, God, no, I'm not doing it. I'm stamping my ground here. And God has to break us. But the quicker we yield, the less painful it's going to be. God's looking for a man who is submissive in spirit, who submits to his spirit. You know, you think of your children as they're growing. Sometimes they'll, they'll try you and they'll push you and they'll see how far they can get before mommy or daddy comes down and sorts them out. And it's a bit like that. And we're like that with God. We're just seeing, pushing the boundaries all the time. We won't submit to the authority. But God says, I want you to be submissive to my spirit. I want you to have a contrite spirit. Because my spirit knows where to go. He knows what to do. He knows how to bless. He knows how to lead you in to my perfect will for your life. You know, when we stand against the Spirit of God, we're just holding up or refusing His best for our lives, as we said last week. God's looking for a submissive spirit that is going to submit to His Holy Spirit. Contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Trembleth at my word. What does that mean? Like it just doesn't mean you stand there and you're shaking, your knees are knocking. And, but it means that we revere his word. We have a reverential respect unto his word, that his word is true. This is the word of God, and he wants us to revere his word because it's the truth. You, know, you think in some areas of the world, in false religions, some people are so revere their teaching so much they revere their religion so much that they'll go for miles crawling on their hands and knees for a false religion, for false teachings, for idols. And we as the children of God so many times don't revere God's word. And I read this scripture, I thought to myself, and I remember saying to God, God, I'm not poor. 
I don't have a contrite spirit. And I don't tremble at your word. I'm saying, Lord, would you help me to be like that? Would you help me to be poor, submissive, and to revere your word? The message puts that is we need to be reverently responsive to what I say. We need to be reverently responsive to what I say. You know, I was reading a paper yesterday and just on the front page and they're talking about some player. I didn't really read an awful lot about it. And people talk about free speech and talk about this, they talk about that. But listen, we need to reverence our holy God. That's the people of God. If we can't do it, well then the world's never going to do it. His word is holy. This is his very word. This is who he is. And when we take his name in vain, and we, 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 we don't honor his word, I'm talking to myself as well, we're diminishing him. We can't diminish God. He holds us responsible. We need to tremble at his word. We need to revere his word. Because this is what he is saying. He wants us to be poor. He wants to have, to be a, have a contrite, a submissive spirit. And he wants us to tremble at his word. And I think another way just to emphasize this is to look at it a little from what a person looks like who is not poor, who is not contrite, and who, is not tr- who doesn't tremble at his word. Turn with me quickly to Second Timothy. Chapter 3. And we see what this is like. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Listen to this class of people. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captives, silly women laden with sins, led away with different lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look at the lovers of themselves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers. These aren't poor people. These people aren't poor in spirit. As such were we before Christ saved us and set us free. We were self-sufficient. We looked no further than ourselves. We were arrogant. We thought we were the bee's knees. We thought everybody should look up to us. We weren't poor in ourselves. We weren't bankrupt. 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce despisers of those that are good. Everything that the Spirit of God values. You think of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those things. Those that won't submit are the opposite of that. Love themselves. They're out of control. with no natural affections. Can't tell the truth. Gossips, false accusers, fierce. And look what it says in verse 7. Ever learning. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They don't tremble at God's word. May actually even read God's word. But it's not truth to them. They read it as a book just to have a bit of knowledge. They'll read other teachings. Whatever it may be. They'll read historians and versions. Learning. But never able to come to the truth. Because they don't revere God's word. As God's word. They don't see it as truth. They just see it as a history. As another religion. Jesus was a nice man. Jesus was a good man. But they don't take it serious. They don't listen to what he says. And this is the class of people. That we once were. But as the church. God is looking for us to be bankrupt. Bankrupt. Of our own self-sufficiency. He wants us to be submissive to his spirit. Even when we don't agree, he wants us to be submissive. He wants us to revere his word. His word is truth. As Jules had said this day, when we compromise, compromise here, further down the line we'll compromise again and we'll compromise again and we'll compromise again until we don't know what the truth is. But we revere God's word as truth. God is looking for a man. To this man will I look. To him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and that trembleth at my word. That's what God's looking for. And again, I want to encourage us to pray, to seek God's face. And if there's other areas of self-sufficiency in our lives, we say, Lord, help me. Help me to lay it down. Help me to be bankrupt of myself. Think of what John the Baptist said. He must increase and I must decrease. Notice the way he put, he must increase. And this is why we need to go to God in prayer. Lord, would you grow in my life? Would you cause your, your spirit to teach me and show and to change my heart and my mind? And then we'll start to decrease because we'll see the riches and the greatness that is in him. Lord, make me submissive to your spirit. Help me to hear what your spirit is saying and help me to submit. Even though I'm struggling to agree and I want this and... and, and but Lord, you know best. 
You know where we're going. Help me to submit to your spirit. And Lord, help me to tremble at your word. Help me to revere your word. Help me to love your word. One of my favorite verses taken from Psalm 119. And I said that now and I can't remember to quote it. <laughs> it says, oh, Jesus, or David says, Oh, how I, love, how I love thy word. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how love I thy word. It is my meditation all the day. There's a man who knew about revering God's word. And yes, he made his mistakes. And this isn't a, a, a one-shot wonder. But we start and we move and we, 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 we say, Lord, I want rid of this. I want rid of what I'm trusting in. Lord, pour in your spirit. Lead me and guide me. Open your word to me and show me what you want and cause me to love it and care for it and to stand on it. This is the man to whom God will look. And as we come to these last days, we're going to have to do it even more. And this is what I'm saying. God, I believe God's trying to build a foundation now for what he has ahead. Because God wants to work in and through us. That rich young ruler went away and he thought he was rich and he was never as poor. You look at when, when, when we'll finish with this, you look at when God came to look for Moses. He came to look for Jeremiah. He came to look for Gideon. He came to look for Elijah. These were men that were prepared. Even Moses maybe thought he wasn't prepared, but God seen their heart. Moses was in the backside of the desert. He wasn't in Bible school. I'm not saying anything wrong with Bible school. But he's in the backside of the desert. And he was talking with God. Leading the sheep. And he was looking for God. Gideon was, yes, he was in hiding, but he had a heart. He had no self-sufficiency of his own. God came to him. These were men that 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 had were prepared. Yes, they had their fears and their worries. God, me? But they were men and women who loved God. Jeremiah, he was a man who knew God. And says about Elijah, he says, the God before whom I stand. And I've heard many a preacher say it, but there's a truth in it. Before he could stand before God, he had to kneel before God. Before you can stand for God, we need to kneel before him. So it's not about who shouts the loudest. But it's about the one, the man, that is spending time with God. And then when God comes, they're ready. They may not think they're ready, but God knows they're ready. And he draws them into his plan. That's all I want to say to you tonight. I want to encourage you that that is the man God is looking for a man. He's looking with intention. He's looking with purpose to do something through your life. He wants to do something in you and through you. 
Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you tonight that your eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for someone that you can show yourself strong on their behalf. Lord, I ask you tonight, I believe that your your eyes are running to and fro throughout this church, throughout this building, And you see everybody, one here, Lord God. Lord, you're looking for those that are poor, that have a submissive spirit, and that revere your word. And I ask you, Lord God, we're all in different places. But Lord, I believe we want that. We want to be poor, we want to be submissive. And we want to tremble at your word. I ask you Lord tonight. That by your Holy Spirit. That you would start to draw your people afresh. That you would draw them into that prayer room Lord God. Where they can bow before you Lord God. And that you can start to prepare them. The work that you've already begun. That you can continue it and develop it Lord God. Into the perfect plan that that you have for their lives. For those, Lord, that maybe even haven't considered this, Lord God, that, Lord, that you would begin that work in them. But, Lord, we need to be poor before you. We need to be contrite before you. We need to tremble at your word. Because, Lord, we want your look upon us. We need your look upon us. Lord, we don't want to be like the rich young ruler. Go away, Lord, thinking we're rich But Lord, we're poor. Lord, we want to be rich in you. We want to be rich in you. We want that which is true riches. You look upon us. Lord, we want it for your glory and for your honor alone. In the mighty name of Jesus. We give you the glory and the honor tonight, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.